Hello everyone, my name is Haley Elizabeth and if you don't know who I am, this is my true crime podcast where I talk about all things true crime ranging from murders, disappearances, cults, all the way to the biggest drug bust in history, the biggest bank heist in history, all things true crime. So if you're interested in any of that, you can watch the visual version every Wednesday on my YouTube channel Haley Elizabeth or you can head over to Spotify, Apple, wherever you can find podcasts and listen to the audio version every Tuesday. But in today's case, we are going to be talking about the case of Rebecca Aylwood. Now there is a lot to get through so we're just gonna hop right into it. Rebecca Aylwood, or some call her Becca, was born on February 28th of 1995 in Mesteg, South Wales. She grew up with her mother, Sonia, and her two younger siblings, Jessica and Jack. Rebecca growing up was described to be just such a light of life. She was described to be a very bright girl and she was also very family oriented. She was always the type of person that would rather hang out with her family than her friends. She just loved her family a lot, especially with her mother, Sonia. She had a very close relationship with her. Rebecca was definitely everything anyone wanted to be. She was smart. She was talented. She was funny. She always had a smile on her face and was just always in a good bright spirit all the time and as a kid Rebecca was very mature for her age and so when Rebecca was a teenager her mother actually got into a divorce with Rebecca's father and so due to this divorce Rebecca's mother Sonia Rebecca and her two younger siblings had to move away and throughout the entire divorce process usually you know when a teenager has to move away from all of their friends or something it's a very troubling situation it can lead to a lot of fights but in Rebecca's situation she just as I said always put her family first. She was very family oriented and she also had such a close relationship with her mother. Even through the divorce, Rebecca was there for her mom throughout the entire thing. She was always there to help out her mother. She was always there to, you know, give her mother a shoulder to cry on and Rebecca didn't really care that she had to leave her friends or her school because she knew, you know, I'll make new friends, you know, friends come and go, but my family, I love my family. They're not going anywhere and so she really did help her mom through her divorce and so I feel like that alone just really shows how mature Rebecca was for her age. Rebecca was also described to be the type of person that was not afraid to stick up for herself. She definitely had a voice if she believed something was wrong. She would always speak up. She tended to see through people if somebody was taking advantage of her or if someone was just not a good person. She would call out that person on it. She would never go down without a fight and because of this, it was her dream to become a lawyer. She attended Archbishop Catholic School and it was at this school where she would meet her soon-to-be boyfriend, 15-year-old Joshua Davies. Joshua and Rebecca were both 15 at the time, but although they were very young, they were said to be in love. Joshua was also very close with Rebecca's family and Joshua got along with her two younger siblings very well. Her two younger siblings actually saw Joshua as an older brother. The family described Josh when he first started to come around to the family as very charming, very witty, very funny. He was just such an overall really good guy to be around. And so from the outside, Rebecca and Joshua's relationship seemed to be going really, really well. But behind closed doors, the couple was actually fighting all the time. Since they were both very young, there were a lot of factors that came into their relationship. You know, being a young couple, there's a lot of, you know, new experiences and new things that you realize that you do want, even though in the past you realized you didn't want. And just the whole stress of having a brand new relationship, your first relationship. This led to their relationship going very on and off. Joshua was described as a major narcissist. There were a lot of people that didn't like Joshua and saw him as a terrible person, but there were a majority of people that really, really loved Josh. The people that didn't like Josh would describe Josh at a very young age as a narcissist or having narcissistic traits. He enjoyed all of the attention that people gave him. As I said, the majority of people really enjoyed Josh, but this is 
is something that he really got off on. He loved the fact that everybody was paying attention to him when he spoke. He loved having all of the attention on him and he believed he was able to swoon over any girl that came in his path, any girl that he wanted with his charm no matter how much harm he did to that person. And although he used to get every girl he wanted in the past, as for Rebecca, as I said, Rebecca was the type of girl that saw right through people if she noticed that they were taking advantage of her. So Rebecca was the only one that would stick up to Josh and really put a mirror to Josh and say, hey, this is what you're doing to me and you need to realize it. But one of the main things of a narcissist is that they don't want to see the real them. They want to keep putting up this mask. They hate when people try to dig deep and find out who they actually are. And this is something that Rebecca would do frequently. She would try to humble Josh and say, no, you're not as high and mighty as you may think you are. And this really angered Josh because these were truths that he didn't want to hear. And Rebecca also made it, although they were in an on and off relationship, Rebecca had made it very clear many times that she didn't need Josh. She was going to be a lawyer after high school. She was going to go on to be successful and do so many great things and she didn't need Josh on her arm to do any of those things and so the fact that Rebecca didn't need Josh to survive made Josh even more angry but Joshua always surrounded himself with people who liked him and in return Josh was very well liked by everyone. He was very very popular. He did sports. He did drama club. He was even really good friends with a lot of the teachers there. The teacher said that they loved having him in class, but the only person that he would really show his true colors to was Rebecca. And this was mostly because Rebecca, unlike all these other people, saw right through Josh. She saw what he was doing, and this just made Josh very angry. So a little bit of backstory on Joshua. Joshua Davies was born in Aberkenfig, Wales, and he was the oldest of his three siblings. So he had two younger brothers. People would describe Josh's family as a very nice family. They were very involved in the community. His father actually did community work for the town for many, many years. They would frequently attend all of these food drives and community service opportunities. They were just all around very, very nice people and the parents were said to be very loving and attentive to all of their children. And even Josh as a child and going into middle and high school was a very good student. He was a straight A student. He was described as very well behaved. He was loving, he was kind, and he never got in trouble with the law or anything. In high school, a lot of people would describe him as as a really big catch. He was the type of guy that every girl wanted to be with and every guy wanted to be. A lot of people described him to have a really good personality because he was very charming and witty, but he was also very smart because he had straight A's in high school as well as doing a lot of sports. So that means he had a really good physically fit appearance. But as you can see, just by me telling you those things, Josh had a way to not let people know who he actually was and Josh enjoyed all of this attention. I mean even as a kid him having two younger siblings those two younger siblings looked up to Josh all of their lives. They looked up to him as an example and even when he got to school and he had all these friends this was something that Josh really enjoyed. He loved the validation of others. He loved the academic validation. He loved having the best scores in all of sports and all of his life he has always been looked up to by his peers, his siblings, his parents. Whenever he would get good grades he was applauded. Whenever he did good at sports he was applauded. So whenever he would do things like try really hard in sports or get really good grades or put on this really perfect personality it wasn't because he was actually like that. It was because he fed off of that validation from others. He enjoyed being the center of attention 
attention and just ultimately better than everyone else. Joshua would actively try to make himself the alpha male in every single room he went into and if there was someone that intimidated him, he would go out of his way to break that person down so that he would then become above all and that is something that he would frequently do to unfortunately Rebecca. He felt that he deserved all the attention and every room that he went into, he felt that he deserved all eyes on him. Every Saturday morning after rugby practice, him and his friends would go to a specific cafe for breakfast and it was kind of a tradition for these boys to do this and it was said that although Josh had a girlfriend, Rebecca, he would be constantly hitting on the older waitresses there. Although he was 15 and these waitresses were probably like in their mid-20s, he didn't care because again, he just felt like he deserved all the attention and he believed that he could get any girl he wanted. Any girl except for Rebecca Aylwood. Rebecca knew the games that Joshua would play and would often fight back, but due to Josh's words and charm and manipulation, he would always have Rebecca coming back to him. And this played really big mind games on Rebecca because Rebecca saw Josh for who he was and Rebecca was probably one of the only people that saw Josh for who he really was and saw that deep down he was not a good person. He was just playing the role of a good person to receive validation from others and to kind of be the main person, the main character in every single room he went into. And so Rebecca didn't really know who to talk to about this situation because she knew that if she talked to her family or her friends about the situation, they would tell her just cut him off, break up with him, and that's not something she was ready to do. So as an outlet, she actually kept journals. But while she was writing in these journals, there were actually a couple of times where Josh had snuck into Rebecca's room and started to read her personal journals. And so this became very hard for Rebecca over time. You know, every single time she stood up for herself or she was trying to tell Josh what he was doing or just humble Josh and say, you know, you're not all that, he would frequently just use all of these things from her diary as a way to break her down. Josh was also very obsessed with what people were saying about him or thinking about him. His whole life depended on what others thought about him. And so when he found out that Rebecca had a diary, obviously Rebecca was going to talk about him in that diary. And so that is why he became so obsessed with reading her journal all the time because he just wanted to know what she was saying about him. Because of this, Rebecca, as I said, she is a very, very smart girl and so what she did was she kept more diaries but she would keep like diaries that she would just keep in her room just not about Josh just about you know her everyday life nothing too too personal so in case Josh did find it it wouldn't be that bad but all of her actual personal diaries she would actually ask her mom if she could hide her diaries in her mom's dresser because she knew for a fact Josh wasn't ever going to go in there and so those were the real diaries that she was able to keep all of her deepest darkest secrets in and they were kind of locked away from Josh. And due to the nature of their on and off relationships, Rebecca as time went on felt very nervous or scared to break up with Josh because whenever Rebecca would be the one to break up with Josh, this would really hurt Josh's ego because he wasn't used to not being in control of these things and so Josh would frequently go around school and use his power of everyone liking him and try to turn everyone against Rebecca. He would then create smear campaigns about Rebecca, trying to take away all of Rebecca's friends from her and turn away all of her friends from her. He would make outrageous lies about Rebecca, but because since Josh was so well-liked, everyone just automatically assumed he was telling the truth. And there was actually one specific rumor where he told everyone that Rebecca was pregnant and he was able to manipulate Rebecca into telling everyone, yes, I am pregnant when in fact she was not pregnant. 
And then in January of 2010, Rebecca and Josh were together at this point. And so Rebecca and Josh decided to spend a weekend together. And this weekend together was described as perfect. Rebecca spent the entire weekend with Josh and her family. Josh had spent the night at her house. They had a wonderful time together. They were watching movies. They were laughing. They were joking. Uh, Rebecca had even painted Josh's nails. Josh was hanging out with Rebecca's siblings and playing with them. And even Josh himself during this weekend had told Rebecca that this is the most perfect weekend he's ever had. He was giving Rebecca lots of love and attention. He was hanging out with her younger siblings and her mom. And then after this perfect weekend, that is when Josh went home and the very next day he texted Rebecca and told her that he wanted to break up. And Rebecca was very confused by this because Josh even told her that this was the most perfect weekend he's ever had. And they spent the whole entire weekend laughing and joking around. They spent time with Rebecca's family. And as I said, Rebecca really loved her family. So the fact that she was able to have her family get along with Josh, it was like her perfect scenario. And then all of a sudden, Josh just randomly breaks up with her over text. She was so confused as to how this perfect weekend made him want to break up with her. But as I said, Rebecca knew Josh through and through. Rebecca was one of the only people that knew Josh through and through. So she knew that Josh was probably just, you know, giving her this perfect weekend, doing everything perfect, love bombing her essentially so that Rebecca would reach her highest of highs. And then all of a sudden, while she's up on this high, Josh randomly breaks up with her. And so the crash down would be even more aggressive because she's in this, you know, highest of high of mind states. And so when Josh Josh did this, he knew that Rebecca was probably going to be very sad and very confused or that's what Josh hoped. But Rebecca saw right through him and she said, you know what, I'm not going to sit around, I'm not going to cry, I'm not going to, you know, let it affect me because that's exactly what Josh is looking for. So instead of sitting around and being sad all the time, although she really was upset over it, she would never let Josh see this. She just instead started to really show Josh that she didn't need him in her life for her to be successful. So she really started to excel in school. She started to get better grades. A lot of the teachers were acknowledging all of her hard work. She hung out with a lot of her close friends. She did have a big group of friends that that Josh could not, you know, turn against Rebecca. So she was hanging out with her friends all the time. She was also posting it online about her hanging out with her friends. And she just held her head up high even when she saw Josh in the halls. She acted as if, you know, the breakup meant nothing to her and Josh meant nothing to her. So the fact that Rebecca was seemingly doing better without Josh just absolutely killed Josh's narcissistic ego and made him very very, very angry. So since Josh was angry, he would frequently try to taunt Rebecca and say all of these very cruel things to her as a way to get to her or try to see any ounce of, you know, pain in her. So he would frequently say things like, oh, you know, your mom loves me so much that she wouldn't approve of you going out with anyone else. He would also, again, use her personal issues against her as a way to tear her down. Down, but Rebecca held her head up high. She was like, yeah, those issues I had, they're gone. Like, I'm, I'm okay with them now. Like, you can't hurt me anymore, which again made Josh very angry that he wasn't in control of Rebecca's emotions anymore. And furthermore, after this, Rebecca even started to see another guy actually also named Josh. So this led Joshua Davies on a path to ruin Rebecca's life. He used his power in his friend groups to turn everyone against her. He would make up all these lies so Rebecca would have no friends. He would even make very violent threats towards Rebecca many times, saying that he was going to kill her or ruin her life. But a month after this, things really started to cool down a little bit and the two just stopped talking talking for a while. Josh later came down from his anger and didn't really, you know, care about Rebecca anymore. He didn't really care about the situation or that's what it looked like from the outside. 
In October of 2010, at this time, Rebecca and her new boyfriend, Josh, were not together. And so one day she's at home and that's when she randomly receives a text message from Josh. The texts were something along the lines of, you know, how have you been? I miss you. How are you? Just trying to get Rebecca to talk to him. And so Rebecca hadn't talked to Josh ever since their big breakup. So Rebecca was just you know trying to keep it friendly and she was like I've been good how about you and then this conversation later went on into Josh reminding Rebecca of all of the good times that they had together he was reminding her of all of their beautiful memories that they shared and due to this Rebecca kind of missed Josh and so that is when the two of them decided to meet up in Josh's hometown Abakenvig. And from Rebecca's friends, uh, Rebecca's friends would say that Rebecca was very excited to meet up with Josh because this was the first time that she was going to see Josh in a very, very long time. So, of course, you know, whenever you see your ex, you want to, like, look your best. You want to be your best. You want to, like, kind of prove yourself a little bit. And she was so excited that that day she actually went out to the city and bought a new outfit and everything. She just really wanted to show up Josh and say, you know, look at what you're missing. I'm doing so much better without you. I told you I don't need you. And so the plan was is that a couple days later, uh, Rebecca was going to be dropped off in Abakenvig by her aunt Linda. And then from there, uh, Rebecca was going to walk to San Station. And then there at the station, she was going to meet up with Josh. And then the two of them would ride the train. And that's exactly what happened. Rebecca woke up in the morning, she put on her makeup, she did her hair, she put on her new outfit, and she was just feeling dressed to the nines. And then she got in the car with her Aunt Linda. Her Aunt Linda drove her to Abakenvig, and from there she walked to San Station, where she was supposed to meet up with Josh. But it wasn't until the next day, on October 23rd of 2010, where the police would receive a call from the household of Sonia Aylwood, Rebecca's mother saying that her 15-year-old daughter, Rebecca Aylwood, is missing. Her mother said that Rebecca and her had a very close relationship. Rebecca told her everything, and she was the kind of girl to always let her mother know where she was at all times. Whenever her mom would text Rebecca, Rebecca would always get back to her within at most 30 minutes, and so the fact that Rebecca wasn't answering any of her calls, any of her text messages, was very, very concerning, And it was even more concerning that her mother's calls were going through, meaning that Rebecca's phone wasn't dead. It was actually ringing. And so that is when the police started to ask around to the residents of the town as well as send out search teams in order to find her. Rebecca's mom was aware that that day she was going to see Joshua Davies and so that is what she told the police. She told the police that she was supposed to go to Abakenvig and then from there go to Sand Station so the police also sent search teams out there as well. Her mother also informed the police about the nature of Rebecca and Josh's relationship. She said that Rebecca and Josh had been in an on and off relationship for a very, very long time and they officially broke it off in January of that year, but now it was October and they kind of wanted to just meet up again because they hadn't seen each other in a very long time. And so if anybody were to see Rebecca, Joshua would most likely have been the last person to see her. But then the next day on October 24th of 2010, that is when unfortunately 15-year-old Rebecca Aylwood was found dead in the woodland South Wales in the middle of the woods. It was clear by looking at her body that she had suffered many violent blows to the head. There was also a rock nearby with blood all over it, so it is assuming that whoever did this took a rock to Rebecca's head. And so since Joshua was the last person to see her, the last supposed person to see her, they immediately contacted Joshua Davies and arrested him for the suspicion of murder. Joshua was arrested and taken into questioning, but immediately he pleaded innocence. He said that he was indeed going to meet up with Rebecca, but Rebecca never showed up to the station, and so he just kind of assumed that Rebecca blew him off, so he turned around and went back home. But when they found Rebecca's phone, which was on Rebecca at the time she was found,
found her phone logs would tell a completely different story as to what Josh was telling them. From Rebecca's text messages between her and Josh the day that she went missing, it was seen that Rebecca actually did go to the station, but when she got there, Josh wasn't the one that was there. And for an entire hour, Rebecca was receiving text messages from Josh redirecting Rebecca's route. In one text, he said that he was not going to make it to the station because he was stuck at his grandma's house and to meet him at a nearby store instead. So she would then walk to that nearby store, but then say, oh, well, actually don't go to that store, go to this other store. And then when she would get to that other store, say, actually don't meet me there, meet me at this phone booth. And then she would walk over to this phone booth. And for an entire hour, Rebecca was just on this wild goose chase, just going exactly wherever Josh told her to go. But one of the very last places that Josh told Rebecca to go to was the underpass of a nearby park called Pandy Park. Once she got to the underpass of Pandy Park, she was then redirected to Pennsylvania Wood, about a 12-minute walk away. And once Josh had told Rebecca to meet her out in the woods, once she started getting there, she got a really bad feeling in her gut. She felt like, you know, that she may be in danger, so... Immediately, she just called her mom. Hey guys, it's still me just popping in to thank the sponsor of today's episode, Simply Safe. Did you know that over the holidays, property crimes like burglaries and package theft spike nationally? That's why our friends at Simply Safe Home Security are offering 50% off their award-winning security system so that more families can feel safe and secure this holiday season. Order your Simply Safe system for half off today and enjoy advanced security at a greater peace of mind this holiday season. I love Simply Safe because it offers so many amazing features and was named best home security system of 2022 by US news and world report my favorite part is not only that simply safe detects break-ins with their hd cameras and advanced sensors but they can also detect things like fires floods and other threats to your home so say you want to go on vacation but you don't have a house sitter not to worry because with the simply safe app you can arm disarm unlock for a guest access your cameras adjust your system settings at anywhere or any time don't miss your chance for massive savings on my favorite security system. Get 50% off any new system at simplysafe.com slash behind today. Their biggest discount of the year. That's simplysafe.com slash behind. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Sonia would say that when that call was made to her, Rebecca sounded very nervous, very concerned. She said that Josh had gotten her on this wild goose chase for the past hour and now Josh is telling her to meet up in the woods and she's feeling very nervous about it. And so Sonia is like, you know what? He's probably, you know, enjoying all of this control over you because he gets to control exactly where you're going. And so if you don't see him right now, just go home please like come back home. Somebody will pick you up, go to the station. But as Rebecca is on the phone with her mother, Sonia, she actually spots Josh. Josh is waving in the distance and she's like, oh wait, mom, Josh is right there. I, I gotta go. And so Sonia says, no, don't go yet. I want to make sure that you're safe before you hang up. And so with her mom still on the phone, Rebecca walks over to Josh and says to her mom on the phone, I'm with Josh. And then Josh says, hi. And Rebecca says, bye, I love you, and then she hangs up. But unfortunately, that would be the last time Sonia would ever hear from Rebecca. And it's so heartbreaking to hear this bit because you can definitely tell that Josh was able to have this effect on people that just made people trust him and want to trust him and people sought safety in Josh due to his words and his charm and so from that it seemed like the mother Sonia really trusted Josh and knew that if Rebecca was with Josh that meant she was safe and so when she heard Josh's voice she hung up because she thought in her head, you know, I trust Josh. Josh is such a great person. That means, you know, she's probably going to be safe. They're just going to hang out. And so that part to me was very scary because it really just showed that no matter who, you really can't trust 
people like that. So that part, it was just especially heartbreaking to me that, you know, you can really tell that the mother trusted Josh. And so what the police were trying to piece together was what happened from the moment that phone call was ended to the point where Rebecca was declared missing that following night. The police were able to do an autopsy on Rebecca's body, although Rebecca's body was in the woods, so it was very quickly deteriorating, but it had only been a couple days at this point, so they were able to do an autopsy and show that she had strangulation marks on her neck, but strangulation was not her cause of death. Her actual cause of death was blunt force trauma to her head. So it is believed that whoever committed this murder was intending to strangle Rebecca but didn't estimate her strength and so when they realized they couldn't strangle her, they took a nearby rock and hit her over the head. But surprisingly, Josh was not the only suspect in this case. One of Josh's friends was also taken into questioning and the only reason they suspected Josh's friend was because this friend had actually made a phone call to Rebecca the day before. But the police knew that they couldn't pin this all on the friend with the little evidence that they had towards the friend, so they start to interview others from Rebecca's friends, trying to get a real feel of what this relationship was like between Rebecca and Josh. And so when talking to all of Rebecca's friends, they not only learn all of the abuse going on in Rebecca and Josh relationship, but they also found out that Josh had made multiple attempts to ruin Rebecca's life, such as creating rumors, smear campaigns, all in spite of Rebecca. So clearly, the police see a major motive. They also found that Josh would constantly cyberbully Rebecca and get all of her friends to turn against her, following Rebecca to feel very lonely and isolated. But what was confusing the police especially was that on paper, Josh was a really bad person, and due to all of Rebecca's friends, Josh was a terrible person, but when they interviewed Josh's friends or anyone at school, everyone said all good things about Josh. Even the teachers loved Josh. All Everyone loved Josh, and so this was very confusing because the police were thinking, you know, maybe Josh is a good person, but if he is a good person, then what happened to Rebecca? That was until Josh's friend, the one that was in custody, said that one morning after rugby practice, it was kind of a tradition for them to go out to breakfast to this one cafe. And so when they went to this cafe one day, uh, Josh was just going on and on about Rebecca. And Josh had made multiple threats in the past that he was going to kill Rebecca one day or that he wanted to see Rebecca dead. And his friends never really took these threats seriously because they thought, you know, he's probably just going through a breakup. He doesn't actually mean it. He's just being dramatic. You know, he's not capable of doing anything like that. And so his friend, the one that was in custody, was telling the police that he himself thought that all of these were hollow threats, that he wasn't going to act out on any of them. And that was until his plan started to become very scary and specific. He says that he would then go on to say certain plans of how he would kill Rebecca easily as he was eating breakfast, as if these details did not affect him in any way. He would say that since Rebecca doesn't know how to swim, he would probably push Rebecca into a riverbank, and then he would then throw himself into the riverbank because he knew how to swim in an attempt to save Rebecca, but in reality, he would just drown Rebecca and make it look like an accident, but he would still be in the riverbank so people would think of him as a hero. He also proposed another plan where he would poison Rebecca using foxglove or deadly nightshade, which are two very poisonous plants. And this actually lined up with something that the police found, but never released to anyone. After Josh was arrested, they investigated Josh's grandmother's house and in the house in Josh's room, they found deadly nightshade as well as foxglove in his room in a mixing bowl as if he was trying to create a strong poison. And so when his friend said these two very specific plants, they knew that his friend was definitely telling the truth. And these are all things that Josh actually said. 
And there's also speculation that Josh may have actually already tried to poison Rebecca but had failed because when looking into Rebecca's history, they found that just two weeks prior to her going missing, that is when Rebecca was hospitalized for an unknown stomach problem. The doctors had ran various tests but never found a cause for the stomach issue. And then the friend goes on to say at one of their weekly breakfasts, uh, Josh was just talking about Rebecca again and so since they believed these were all hollow threats, one of the friends actually said a dark humored joke and said, quote, if you actually kill her, then I'll buy you a breakfast. And all of the friends just saw this as a dark humored joke, you know, don't say that, that's sick. And so Josh on the outside was laughing at this joke, but him in his mind, this was not a joke. This was actually a challenge. He didn't see this as his friends, you know, not being serious. He saw this as his friends saying, you won't do it, you wouldn't dare, as if they were testing him. And so Josh needed to prove himself and needed to say, oh, you don't think I'll do it? I will do it then. One of Rebecca's friends would also go on to say that although Rebecca acted like she didn't care or love for Josh, deep down she really did love him a lot. And this was something that she even frequently wrote about in her journals that she kept in her mother's bedroom. She would go on to say that although Josh had done so many terrible things to her, deep down she really did still love him. And she really, really hoped that maybe one day he would fix himself or that he would get better. So that is what she really tried tried to strive for every time she got back together with Josh. She just felt this need that, you know, I can fix him. I can make him better. Maybe this time around, he really has learned what he has done wrong and it's, he's going to be a brand new person. And so that day when she went out to hang out with Josh, her friend said that she was really, really excited to see him because she felt something different. She felt like this could be a new beginning for them. So this is what Josh's friend was saying about Josh in his interrogation room. But as for Josh's interrogation room, as I said, Josh was trying to blame it on his friend. His friend was trying to blame it on Josh. But Josh's story did not match up at all. Josh then gave the most childish and unrealistic story and timeline of events Josh had said that him and Rebecca actually did meet up and they were planning to play a joke on one of his friends. And so they invited his friend over to the woods. And so Rebecca laid on the ground and Josh pretended like Rebecca was dead. And so his friend was obviously alarmed and panicked because he thought that Rebecca was dead. But then all of a sudden, Rebecca jumped out and scared him. His friend then was so angry that they would play this sick joke on him that this led to him taking a rock and killing Rebecca. So the police were back and forth on both boys and then they interviewed the other boys because they know that these weekly breakfasts are a very big interest because obviously Josh probably speaks a lot during these breakfasts specifically about killing Rebecca. So they bring in the boys that frequently go to this breakfast and interview all of them. And so they brought all of the boys in, they interviewed them individually, and that is when the police would get their biggest lead yet a witness to the crime. So after Josh had murdered Rebecca by strangling her and then resorting to a nearby rock, Josh had actually texted one of his friends and asked him to come to the scene with saying, quote, I have something to show you. So his two friends showed up to the scene, but only one of the friends could actually walk to where Josh was at because it was up a large hill and one of the friends actually had a broken leg, so he couldn't walk up the hill. And so only only one of the friends went up the hill to meet with Josh and it was there when the friend had met up with Josh where Josh showed the friend Rebecca's body lying on the ground. So once they had this witness to the crime, Josh that day was charged with the first degree murder of Rebecca Aylwood and the two boys would then be key witnesses to the crime. 
And so on June 20th of 2011, that is when Josh's trial began. And so Josh, when walking into the courtroom or that day when he was going to trial, he did not seem nervous. He did not seem panicked. And in fact, when the press had showed up, because this was a pretty big media story at the time, so there was a lot of press, there was a lot of news there, and Josh was smiling to the cameras the entire time. He really enjoyed all of this attention on him and he seemed to have absolutely no remorse or realization what he was walking into. He was laughing and smiling at the cameras and he did not have the demeanor or the remorse of someone who was walking into a trial of murdering an innocent 15-year-old girl and he very terrifyingly seemed to be enjoying all of this attention. At the actual trial, the journalists say that the court had showed pictures of Rebecca's body, the crime scene, and everything else to the rest of the jury, and it was said that the whole entire time, Josh just seemed to be very unfazed by the pictures. He didn't really seem that invested. He actually seemed bored when it came to those parts, but it was until the witnesses came up or his family came up to testify is when his eyes lit up and he was fully attentive on what this person was saying. And he just seemed very, very engaged in the conversation or the trial when it was talking about him. His parents, however, believed that Josh was innocent and they spoke to defend Josh. And so this whole entire time when his family was defending Josh and saying what an amazing person he was, those seemed to be the only parts that Josh was concerned about. The prosecutors also offer some very convincing evidence to prove that not only did Josh murder Rebecca, but it was heavily premeditated. They display all of the text conversations, including all of the text messages where Josh would threaten violence towards Rebecca. They also mentioned the bet that was made that one morning at breakfast, and instead of calling the police after Rebecca was dead, Josh had called one of his friends. And they even showed a very specific text conversation that Josh had had with his friend right after killing Rebecca, showing absolutely Absolutely no remorse for what he did. If he did have remorse, he would probably call the police or be freaking out or have some sort of compassion for what he just did. But instead of doing any of that, he had this conversation with his friend, the friend that had made the bet and said, oh, if you kill Rebecca, I'll give you a free breakfast. Josh, what would you do if I actually did kill her? Friend, oh, I'd buy you breakfast, mate. Josh, don't say anything, but you may just owe me breakfast. Friend, best text I've ever had, mate. Seriously, if it is true, I am happy to buy you breakfast. Josh, I hope by then it'll be done and dusted. Friend, I want all the details, smiley face. Josh, large breakfast with extras of everything. Friend, you're a sick, sick boy. So shortly after this text was sent, the friend did not receive anything from um, Josh saying, you know, oh, I'm just joking or yes, I am sick. I would never do anything like that. When the friend received no reply, he got very, very concerned or it seemed to be like he got very, very concerned because just a while later, he texted to Josh saying, quote, are you still with Becca? Then Josh replied immediately after saying, define with. And the fact that he was making jokes or being very witty during this time is very, very scary, especially for a 15-year-old boy. Usually, if a 15-year-old boy were to do anything close to this, they would be freaking out, they would be scared. But in Josh's head, this just seemed to be a big game to him. Like, it didn't really mean anything. It's like in his head, he genuinely thought that he was going to get away with this and his friends were going to be completely supportive of him. They also consider this crime very premeditated because they bring up the poisons that were researched on Josh's computer, such as the poisonous plants that were found in the grandmother's house as well. They also brought up the exact map from the text messages that Josh was sending, like, oh, Rebecca, go here, go to this store. No, go to this store. No, go to this park. They realized that when 
you put a red line through the route that Rebecca took, this route was a very specific route in that nowhere where she went or even walked past had any security cameras on the outside. So it seemed like the whole time Josh was at the Pennsylvania woods, but was leading Rebecca down a path where she would not get caught on any security footage. And so this crime would not be pinned onto him and it would look like she just vanished. There was actually one part in the route where uh, Josh had made Rebecca stop on the outside of the other Josh's house. Remember how Rebecca had that other boyfriend named Josh? Josh had actually made the route so that Becca would stop in front of his house so that if the police did go to Josh and say, hey, what were you doing? You were the last person to see Rebecca. He could easily just say, oh, Rebecca wasn't talking about meeting me, Josh. It was the other Josh, another boyfriend named Josh that she had a while ago. It was also made notice that the only reason they suspected um, the friend that was a witness to the crime scene to be an accomplice is because they actually found his fingerprints on Rebecca's hood. And that was one of the things that the uh, defense team for Josh was trying to say. But the reasoning why his fingerprints was on the hood, because he went up to the box to testify, he said that when he saw the body, her face was covered with her hood. And so when he went up there and he saw Rebecca's body on the ground, Josh told his friend to touch the hood and remove the hood. And so in his mind, he thought that this was one big joke. He thought, you know, maybe Josh had told Rebecca about this bet joke that they made. Um, Maybe they're just playing along with this. Maybe it's just one big joke. And so he touched the hood to remove the hood off of Rebecca's face, assuming that Rebecca was going to jump out and scare him but instead he actually did see Rebecca's dead body lying on the ground. It was also revealed that shortly after Josh had murdered Rebecca, he had casually just walked back to his grandmother's house where he met up with a friend and watched a movie with that friend. And it's very unknown why the friends never went to the police with this information or why the friend that saw the dead body or even the friend that told his friend at the bottom of the hill never told the police. Um, It is assumed that they were just young, scared boys. They didn't want to go to the police because they were scared of what Josh was going to do to them. They were also probably just in such shock and disbelief. They thought that maybe, hopefully, it was still some sick joke. And so it is believed that's why they never went to the police. But later on that night, when Josh was at his grandmother's house watching this movie, he receives a call from Sonia, Rebecca's mother. Sonia called Josh and was like, hey, uh, Rebecca actually never came home tonight. She's not at the station where she was supposed to meet her Aunt Linda. She's also not responding on her phone. Like, have you seen her? And Josh then tells Sonia no, that he doesn't know where Rebecca is and that he went to the train station that day. But turns out Rebecca never showed up and so he has no clue where she is. Shortly after the phone conversation with Sonia, that is when Josh would text Rebecca's phone saying things like, quote, where are you? And everyone is worried about you. Just please come home. Rebecca's mother, Sonia, also put on her Facebook wall a missing persons poster to which Josh had commented on it saying, I feel so sorry for her mother, as if he was trying to get the sympathy of others or trying to mimic what others were doing around him and feeling sorry for Rebecca and her family to also disassociate himself from the crime as well. But on June 24th of 2011, the jury came to a verdict and found Josh guilty for the first-degree murder of Rebecca Aylwood and was sentenced to 14 years to life in prison. And even at the time of his conviction, he was still pleading innocent. He kept saying that there was a misunderstanding and that he did not commit this crime, but he was locked up nonetheless. And so since he had a minimum of 14 years to fulfill. If he were to fulfill those 14 years, he would be released in 2025 at the age of 30 years old. 
But it wasn't until October of 2018 where Josh had randomly confessed to his crimes. He said that he did indeed kill Rebecca, but gave absolutely no story, no timeline, nothing at all. Just simply said, I did it and that's as far as I'm going to say it. And a lot of people were thinking that he possibly said this as a way to still play mind games on people. He knows that he has a lot of control over people's emotions with this very specific situation. He knows that whatever he's going to say, people are going to listen to him because he is the murderer. And so it's believed that in 2018, he randomly confessed and said that he did it. And then in the future, he's going to confess to all of the timeline events so that people will still be interested in him and listen to what he has to say, which is so, so frustrating. And it clearly, clearly shows that Josh has learned nothing from being in prison. He's still in his same exact ways, his same exact mindset, and I truly do hope that he gets life in prison because it seems like he's not going to get better and he possibly will re-offend again if he is associated with the general public. But that was in 2018. As of 2022, I couldn't find anything else, so that is the end of today's story. If you guys found this video interesting, make sure to give it a thumbs up and subscribe if you're on YouTube or if you are on Spotify or Apple or wherever you can find podcasts, make sure to rate it five stars because that really helps me out a lot. This story was so, so frustrating in so many ways, but also so terrifying in so many ways that Josh was just a 15-year-old boy and withheld so many narcissistic traits. I actually found that you cannot be diagnosed with narcissism by a psychiatrist or a psychologist until the age of 18. So anything under 18, you just accompany narcissistic traits and not narcissism in general. But it seemed like from the looks of it that when Josh turned 18, he would definitely be considered a narcissist or at least something similar. It seems like he enjoyed all of this attention on him. He had absolutely no remorse and he continued to bask in all of the attention and even after he had killed Rebecca, he genuinely thought that what he did was a fine thing to do and that his friends were just going to laugh it off and he was going to get away with it which is an even more scarier thing that he thought that he was going to get away with it and he thought nothing of it because it really does show, especially in 2018 when he randomly confessed without a story, that he hasn't learned anything in prison and he still really enjoys the power he holds. And I hope nothing but peace for Rebecca's family. Rebecca had so much promise to be such a wonderful, wonderful person. Her dream was to become a lawyer and she was the only person that really saw Josh for who he was. And in so many instances, Rebecca, again, was just so mature for her age and really stood her ground and was not afraid to stick up for herself. And when she saw Josh's true colors, she called out Josh and told him who he actually was, which Josh hated. And I feel like Rebecca should be remembered for who she was on earth rather than how she left it. And Rebecca on earth was a very independent woman. She didn't care what others thought about her. She always put her family first over her friends. She was not afraid to stick up for herself. She was not afraid to say what she wanted to say. And I think that's very inspirational. But yes, that is the end of today's video. Make sure you guys to be safe out there. Um, get outside today. Get some fresh air. It's starting to snow by me. It's actually snowing as we speak. So if it's snowing by you, make sure to, you know, enjoy the snow. Enjoy the weather. Go outside. Hang out with your friends. Read a good book. Just overall, take care of yourself today and I will see you guys next week. Bye.